Hi, welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. We want to welcome a special guest, Dr. Paul Redman. He's a former UMMC medical school graduate in pediatric emergency medicine. I'm so glad you can join us today, Paul. I think most people remember you from the Bible study, but tell us how's life after residency and fellowship? Well, hey, Tim. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here with you today. Um, yeah, it's quite a different experience to be on the other side of training. I think I did 10 years total uh, between med school, residency, and fellowship, and uh, it's a little different. So it's nice to be on the flip side. I'm in Texas now practicing medicine and a pediatric emergency department. But anyway, I'm glad uh, I have some time to be here with you today. That's awesome. Well, we want to continue our journey through Genesis. Specifically, we want to see Jesus in the book of Genesis. Now today, we are continuing on in Genesis chapter 4. I think most people who read these chapters see these verses as a history lesson. But I want to view these verses through the eyes of the two trees in Genesis. And I think today, we will really get to see something special to God and applicable to us. Before we start reading these verses, I want to give a recap on this matter of the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, in the first podcast, we really expounded on this matter of the two trees. So if you haven't heard the first podcast, uh, I recommend you go back and listen to it. You know, the tree of life symbolizes a life dependent on God, whereas the tree of the knowledge of good and evil symbolizes a life independent of God. Now, I would say these two trees are not the end-all be-all, but rather they are starting points. They are seeds, and as we read through the scriptures, we can really trace the principle of the two trees throughout the entire Bible. Today, though, we are finishing Genesis chapter 4, and while I encourage everyone to read the whole chapter, I want to highlight some of these verses here. So this is Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Then Cain had a son named Lamech. And in verse 19 it says, Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who plays string instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. And then we're going to go to verse 26. Now in between, Adam and Eve also had another son named Seth. And here in verse 26 it says, Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, Paul, when we read these verses, the obvious thing is to say, well, these are just historical facts or good history lessons. But 
Can you explain what is going on here, specifically as it pertains to the two trees in Genesis chapter 2? Yeah, so this is an interesting section of the word. And actually the, the connection that you're talking about, Tim, between the original two trees in Genesis chapter 2 and this section here in chapter 4 is actually a, a fairly easy and uh, straightforward connection to make. But it's interesting that we often miss it. We often don't see the connection uh, and do just take these these verses and this portion kind of as some history of what's going on with uh, God's created people here in the in the early days. But yet you have to see that, you know, it's almost like there's a line or a trajectory of people coming out of the Garden of Eden. And, uh, you know, there's a fork in the road almost as you come out of the Garden of Eden. There's a, a trajectory that follows God, that takes God's way, which there in Genesis chapter 2 was, was uh, indicated by the tree of life. But then there's also a trajectory uh, or a fork in the road that takes away separate from God, that takes away independent from God which is signified there in Genesis chapter 2 by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so this trajectory, or these two lines, I guess you could say, coming out of the Garden of Eden, they develop a little bit here in chapter 4 with these two lineages. You have the lineage of Cain, three sons that the Bible very specifically kind of gives us very detailed history of. And then you have the lineage um, of Adam and his, his son Seth, and subsequently Enosh. And so if you look at these verses that you read, Cain's three descendants, you had, let's see, you had Jabel, you had Jubal, and you have Tubal-Cain. You know, the Bible is very specific about what it says. If it says something, then it's important. And if it doesn't say something, then typically it's not important to God. And so for the Bible to point out that these three sons were the creators, if you will, of certain things, it's important. And so Cain's descendant, uh, Jabel, says he was the father of those who dwell in tents and raise cattle. And then his descendant, Jubal, was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. And then his third descendant, Tubal-Cain, was the forger of every cutting instrument of bronze and iron. And so really what you have here is you have the father of those who dwell in tents and raise cattle. And this is sort of like, you know, making a living for yourself, having a career, having a profession, providing for your family, providing sustenance and some sort of way of life. And then you have the next descendant was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe, which is obviously music. And this is sort of along the lines of entertainment or pleasure, or things that, you know, give you happiness. And then the final descendant, Tubal-Cain, said he was the forger of every cutting instrument of bronze and iron. And these are war instruments. Bronze and iron in that day and age were used for battle. And so this is a matter of defense and war and protection. And so Cain's descendants, who are following this trajectory away from God is indicated by the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree that results in death. They now have developed a way to provide for themselves, a way to give pleasure to themselves, 
and a way to protect themselves. Well, if you consider the situation of man when he was in the Garden of Eden, you know, man had God as his provision, had God as his pleasure, and had God as his protection. But now you have man having to find these things outside of God and having to take care of these necessities away from God. And as a result, uh, man developed a culture, developed a way of living in a society that was entirely independent and separate from God, but fulfilled these necessary items. In the meantime, on the flip side, you have Adam, who has a son named Seth, and then Seth, in verse 26, has a son named Enosh. And this is along the trajectory of people who are following God, who are taking God's way. And Seth names his son Enosh, which means frail mortal man. And so contrary to the other group of people who were beginning to make a way of life for themselves and sustain themselves, what you have here is Seth realizing that man is actually frail. Man is actually fragile and mortal and in need of God and unable even to take care of himself. And it's so good that it says right after the name Enosh, which means frail, fragile, mortal man, it says, at that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And so you just see this indication here of this, these two lines deviating from the Garden of Eden, separating further and further apart. One becoming completely away and apart from God, and the other one drawing closer to God. Wow. Man, Paul, that's, that's awesome to see. You know, now we are really seeing the significance of Genesis. It's not really a book for debating about creation or just stories for our children's Sunday school. But two gigantic biblical principles are established here, and you're starting to see them play out. Now, Paul, I actually want to focus a little on this term in verse 26 that you just read. People began to call on the name of the Lord. You know, Paul, what is so significant about this phrase, call on the name of the Lord? Yeah, so I'm glad you bring this out, Tim. It's, uh, you know, it seems like a fairly insignificant phrase there in Genesis chapter 4. But again, like I said earlier, when the Bible mentions something, it's typically pretty important. And here it says that it is the first time that human beings began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, I would say what's significant about this is particularly the word. If you look in the original uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament, as well as the original Hebrew word for call, the connotation there is like an outcry or to vocally cry out. The Greek word is epikaleo, epi meaning away from or out from, and kaleo meaning call. And so it has, it has the connotation of like a, a vocal crying out or calling out. Think of like I, working in my pediatric emergency department. I have a lot of patients that are epikaleoing pretty much every time they come into the ER. Of course, it's not for God, but they're usually crying out for mommy or daddy. But in a sense... That's the kind of crying out. It's a, it's a seeking, it's heartfelt, it's meaningful with the intention of reaching the person that you're crying out for. And so here it says men or humans, people, began to call to cry out to God. 
Well, if you, if you read the Bible carefully, you will see that this was the beginning of a habit practiced by God's followers throughout the entire Scripture. Following that line from the tree of life in Genesis chapter 2 to Enosh here in chapter 4, you can take it all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament and find God's people crying out to Him. And it uses this word again and again, calling on the name of the Lord. If you look at Psalms, you see the people of God using this phrase and practicing this habit of calling on the Lord. You see it in different types of scenarios as well. In Psalms chapter 18, verse 3, you see David calling out to the Lord because he was in distress and because he was having a difficult time in a valley, if you will. Later on, you see Isaiah in chapter 12, verses 3 and 4, indicating that we don't only need to call out to the Lord in times of distress or frailty, but even call out to the Lord because we're rejoicing and because we're thankful that this is actually a way to worship God uh, with rejoicing. And so this was a pattern throughout the whole Old Testament, but also in the New Testament. It's really impressive when you read the book of Acts, chapter 9, the way that Saul, before he became Paul, the way he persecuted the Christians, the way he identified them in chapter 9, verse 14 and verse 21, it says he actually had the authority from the chief priest to bind anyone who called on the name of the Lord, which indicates that actually the Jews at that point had stopped practicing this from the Old Testament and that it was the Christians who had picked up the habit of calling on the name of the Lord, and that's how Saul could arrest them and could persecute them. And then ultimately Saul, he became Paul, and you see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he tells us that we need to be with one another calling on the name of the Lord. He says, actually, when you get together, when you pursue the Lord together, you should call on the name of the Lord. And so, anyway, it's a significant phrase. For it to show up here in Genesis 4 and persist throughout the Bible is not a small thing. Man, Paul, Paul, that's just so good. You know, I remember as a young Christian learning to preach the gospel according to the book of Romans. I think some know it as the Romans road to salvation. And it ends with Romans 10, 12, and 13. Verse 12 and 13 read, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, when I was taught this, I remember thinking that this was just for initial salvation. But actually, it's more than that. It's not just once in your Christian life, but it can be something that you do literally every day and everywhere. You know, I think for myself, there's always this hesitancy to call on God. You know, when you're growing up, you're always taught uh, not to take the Lord's name in vain. So that, that lesson, those tra that training made me a little gun shy when it comes to a verse like this. But in verse 12, it says, the Lord richly blesses all who call on him. And I mean, really, who doesn't want to be richly blessed? And I'm not talking about like money, cars, houses, but, you know, God's peace, God's joy, God's love, you know, even God himself. You know, when you call on him, he can save you right then and there from whatever you're going through. You know, as students, you could be in anatomy lab, you could be studying, you can be about to take a test, and you can call on the name of the Lord. 
I had this experience one time. I was actually going to go and comfort a patient. And then at that moment, the patient had recently lost a family member. And, you know, as a student or as a resident, you don't really know what to do or what to say. I think you could try to use your motivational interviewing skills or maybe your empathy skills or some mnemonic you learn on counseling a patient through a hard time. Or maybe even better, you know, I'm a Christian, so I just... I'm going to try to remember some verses that I learned that might be good for comforting a patient in that situation. You know, all things work together for good. But I remember at that specific moment, you know, I remember turning to God, turning to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you to speak through me. And at that moment, I mean, really, it's not something supernatural. It's not like my hair lit on fire, my eyes started glowing. But, you know, I turned and God supplied me. And at that moment, all I was, it, it was just a vessel, you know, a vessel that is speaking forth God's comforting words to this patient. And, and I think that made all the difference compared to just saying some comforting words that I remember from, you know, school. Yeah, that's so true, Tim, uh, especially in the practice of medicine when you're in a daily profession where you're encountering people from every walk of life every strata of society, every kind of possible human situation or suffering, uh, we have a choice as Christians. We can be in the line of Cain and the line deviating away from God where we provide for ourselves, where we just rely on our own talents, our own skills, our own abilities, or we can choose to be in the line of Enosh where we recognize, hey, I'm just as frail, just as mortal, just as fragile as this patient in front of me. Oh Lord, how I need you. And you don't have, you know, you don't have to holler out to the Lord, uh, you know, outside the exam room, but just a, you know, a little bit under your breath, making that little turn to face the Lord and contact him can make all the difference in how uh, you approach that patient and honestly how that patient perceives you when you go into that room. Wow, you know, who would have thought that we'd get pearls for patient care in Genesis chapter 4? Well, Paul, thanks again for being our special guest today. I feel really refreshed, and I hope that our students are really being watered by these words, and I hope they use them in their busy day as they're studying and going about learning to be great doctors and nurses and dentists and physical therapists. Again, feel free to share this podcast to friends, family, even other students. And again, Paul, thanks for your time.